0: Chapter forty two of the Emancipation of South America by Bartolome Mitre, translated by William Pilling. This Librivox recording is in the public domain, recording by Piotr Natter The Reorganization of Venezuela eighteen seventeen to eighteen nineteen The Home Government, on hearing of the third insurrection on the island of Margarita, sent a reinforcement of two thousand eight hundred men under the command of General Canterac. Morillo, on his way to that island with his three thousand men, met Canterac at Barcelona, and, embarking his troops in twenty vessels, sailed with him for Margarita. Brion had left the island with his flotilla for the Orinoco, Arismendi was also absent, and General Gómez, who had been left in command, had but eleven hundred infantry, badly equipped, two hundred cavalry, and some few artillerymen. On the 15th of July, the troops effected a landing under the protection of the guns of the squadron. Canterac had thought that the mere sight of his fresh troops would suffice to disperse the insurgents, but his division suffered a heavy loss ere they could make good footing on the island. Morillo's first step was to publish a proclamation in which he offered pardon to all insurgents who would lay down their arms, but threatened all who should resist with extermination. Gómez rejected the offer of pardon and made every preparation for a stubborn resistance, strengthening the fortified positions and piling up heaps of stones on the heights for want of better ammunition. The castles of Porlamar and Pampatar were evacuated by the patriots after a slight resistance, but they spiked the guns and concentrated their forces in the city of Asuncion. marched inland to cut them off from the north of the island and was met on the thirty first of july by a body of five hundred patriots who had entrenched themselves on very broken ground covered with brushwood at a place called matasiete it took morillo eight hours of hard fighting to drive them from that position but his losses were so heavy that he was forced to return the next day to pampatar He then occupied the town of San Juan, which is situate in a break in the range of hills which divides the island, and so cut off the communications of the main body of the Patriots with the port of Juan Griego, where their flotilla was stationed. On the 8th of August, the fort which protected the town was taken by assault after a desperate assistance. The garrison of this fort only consisted originally of two hundred men, the survivors of whom fled to a lake nearby, and, refusing to surrender, were massacred, Morillo killing eighteen of them with his own hand. The scene of this butchery is known to this day as the Lake of the Martyrs. Had Morillo persevered, there is no doubt that he would have conquered the whole island, but adverse intelligence recalled him to the mainland. After losing one thousand men, he embarked the rest, and on the 20th of August, 1817, established his headquarters at Caracas. Morillo now adopted a more humane policy. He published a general amnesty, abolished the military tribunals, and re-established the Audiencia and the civil courts. The aspect of the war had changed greatly in his absence. Paez had invaded Barinas, taken the capital of that province, and had routed a strong royalist division at San Carlos, sacking the town and shooting all his European prisoners. But the plains were now covered with water, so nothing could be done against him. Bolivar had possession of the line of the Orinoco. Sarazas guerillas, strengthened by an infantry corps, protected the right flank of Paez. Monagas occupied the plains of Barcelona, and the province of Cumaná was held by Bermudez. Canterac was sent off to Peru with his sorely diminished division. The garrison of Caracas and the division of La Torre held the line of the coast. Aldama, with another division, covered the line of the lower Apure, and protected San Fernando and Calzada with a light infantry division, disputed with Paez the possession of the province of Barinas the peninsula of paria and the cities of cumana and barcelona were held by eight hundred men and the rest of the royalist forces were distributed in various forts along the coast neither party had any plan of operations both were waiting to see what the other would do bolivar was at this time the one conspicuous figure in america He received a despatch from the director of the United Provinces of La Plata, congratulating him upon his success, and prophesying the speedy union of their arms in the same cause. Bolivar replied by an address to the Argentine people, The Republic of Venezuela, though plunged in mourning, offers you brotherhood. When covered in laurels, she has crushed the tyrants who profane her soil. Then she will invite your concurrence, that our emblem be the Union of South America. End quote. as steps towards constitutional government by the installation of a Congress, bolivar established a High Court of Justice, and on the thirtieth of October presided at the opening of a council of state to which he entrusted the management of civil affairs in his absence, hoping to strengthen his authority by quote, the first of all forces, the public opinion. End quote. Bolivar then ascended the Orinoco with 1,500 well-equipped troops, and crossed to the left bank, at about a hundred miles from Angostura. His intention was to join Saraza, who had 2,500 men, and with his aid to crush Morillo and retake Caracas. At the same time he wrote to Paez to cooperate in the scheme by advancing from Barinas but on the 2nd of december saratha allowed himself to be surprised and completely routed by la torre and ogaza the patriots suffered a loss of 1200 killed with three guns and all their flags while the royalists had only 200 killed and wounded among the latter being la torre himself bolivar was forced to recross the orinoco and return to angostura then with some reinforcements he again ascended the river to join paez who on the advance of morillo and la torre had prudently retired to calabozo the two commanders having united their forces marched with two thousand infantry and two thousand cavalry on san fernando on reaching the river apure bolivar looked in vain for the boats which paez had promised to provide while on the opposite side were a number of canoes under guard of a royalist gunboat and three armed flecheras Bolivar was dressed in a green spencer, with red facings and three rows of buttons. On his head was a dragoon's helmet, which had been sent him as a sample. He wore the gaiters, and carried in his hand a short lance with a black pennon adorned with a skull and cross bones, under which might be read the inscription, Liberty or Death. "'Where are your boats?' asked Bolivar of Paez. "'There they are,' said Paez, pointing to the enemy's boats. "'How shall we take them?' "'With cavalry?' answered Paez. "'And where are these horse-marines?' asked Bolivar. Paez turned to his guard of honor, and picking out fifty men under Colonel Aramendi, he put himself at their head, shouting, "'Into the water, boys! Follow your uncle!' Then, putting spurs to his horse, he plunged into the river, followed by his men, lance in hand, and yelling to frighten off the alligators, which swarmed around them. The armed boats opened fire upon them, But without effect, the terrified crews jumped overboard, and fourteen boats were captured. "'If I had not seen it, I never would have believed it possible,' said Bolivar. Bolivar simply established a blockade of San Fernando, and marched without loss of time against Morillo, who had assembled sixteen hundred infantry and three hundred horsemen near to Calabozo. His movements were so rapid that Morillo was taken by surprise on the morning on the 10th of February, 1818, and was himself involved in the rout of his cavalry, and borne from the field by the fugitives. One company of light infantry covered the retreats, and perished to the last man. Morillo shut himself up in Calabozo, which was defended by four redoubts, while Bolivar withdrew to rest his men morillo without cavalry and without supplies saw that resistance was hopeless he buried his guns and on the night of the fourteenth of february marched off towards sombrero on the river guarico taking his sick and wounded with him at midday on the fifteenth he was overtaken by bolivar with his cavalry the horsemen could make no impression on the solid columns of the spanish infantry but they delayed their march and so gave time for the patriot infantry to come up during the night which followed morillo continued his retreat and the next day reached the wooden country about sombrero here he took up a strong position on the river guarico where he repulsed several attacks of the patriot infantry and after nightfall by a forced march reached the valleys of aragua bolivar still with caracas on the brain retired to calabozo where he had a stormy conference with paez the llanero chieftain insisted that to attempt an offensive campaign while the fortress of san fernando was still held by the royalists was to lose the command of the plains bolivar let paez depart with his division but marched himself with one thousand raw infantry and one thousand two hundred horse for the valleys of aragua where he greatly increased his force by recruits at victoria he established a reserve under urdaneta and detached his cavalry and two hundred infantry to occupy the pass at cabrera morillo who had concentrated his forces at valencia surprised Saraza at cabrera routed at maracay on the road to caracas and advanced upon victoria Bolivar was compelled to make a hasty retreat he halted at la puerta for him a most ominous position and was there attacked on the morning of the sixteenth of march by the royalist vanguard under morales he succeeded in repulsing this attack but morillo in person led up the main body and though himself wounded very quickly drove the patriots from the field with the loss of four hundred killed and six hundred wounded bolivar lost in this battle even his private papers and seemed to have lost his head also he exposed himself in the most reckless manner wherever the fight was hottest seeming to court death as some expiation of the errors he had committed Fortunately for him, on the 6th of March Paez had captured San Fernando with twenty guns, eighteen armed vessels, and seventy-three flecheras, and now came to his assistance, as did also Cedenio with his guerrillas. La Torre, who had taken command of the royalists, found another army in front of him when he advanced to Calabozo. He retreated to the heights of Ortiz on the river Poga, which command the entrance to the valleys. Here he was attacked by Bolivar and Paez with 800 infantry and 2,000 horse. The strength of his position enabled him to repulse several assaults, after which he prudently retreated to Cura and later on to San Carlos. Bolivar then detached Paez against San Carlos and marched with the bulk of his force further to the west, always aiming at Caracas. Paez was met at Cojeres by La Torre with a very superior force carried away by his impetuosity he charged at the head of one squadron and bore down all before him but found on his return to the field that his army had disappeared overwhelmed by numbers the infantry had been cut to pieces the cavalry had fled paez returned to san fernando with less than half the force with which he had commenced the campaign still worse fortune befell bolivar He abandoned the plains and advanced into a country swarming with detached parties of royalists. He, with his staff, were attacked at night as they slept in hammocks in a wood. He drew off his green spencer and brass helmet and escaped on foot, but wandered about all alone till next day, when he fell in with his dispersed troops, flying from their encampment, where they had been surprised, and ultimately rejoined Paez at San Fernando bolivar downcast and sick but not disheartened immediately set to work to raise fresh troops and sent cedenio with thirteen hundred men to reoccupy the plains of calabozo cedenio was cut to pieces by morales who then advanced towards the apure but was there totally routed by paez on the twenty-eighth of may eighteen eighteen then came on the rainy season and both parties were forced to remain in quarters the patriot army no longer existed All the infantry had disappeared, the arms were ruined, and the ammunition was exhausted. The liberator had lost both his credit as a general and his civil authority. All threw upon him to blame for the ill success of the patriot arms, and time, which has enhanced his glory, confirms in this instance the judgment of his contemporaries. But there was yet the nucleus of an army on the Apure, and Guayana was still secure." The position of the royalists was not much better. Morillo had 12,000 men, scattered about in detachments, but he had neither money, arms, nor supplies. As he himself reported to the viceroy of Peru, quote, Twelve pitched battles, in which the best officers and troops of the enemy have fallen, have not lowered their pride or lessened the vigor of their attacks upon us. Quote. The Spanish squadron lay idle at Puerto Cabello while argentine and venezuelan privateers scoured the caribbean sea with the ports of Margarita as their headquarters in the east the patriot arms had been equally unfortunate Marino, recalled by his partisans and supported by gomez governor of Margarita, had again established himself at cumana and openly renounced all allegiance to the liberator bermudez who remained faithful was routed and driven across the orinoco with the loss of his artillery Monagas was isolated on the plains of Barcelona. Bolivar returned to Angostura, leaving Paez in command of the army of the Apure, and with indomitable energy set to work to create a new army. He raised recruits in the missions of Coroni. He reorganized the divisions of Sarasa and Monagas, while Bermudez recruited his forces in Guayana. Brion brought him five thousand muskets and a large supply of military stores from the West India Islands he also effected a reconciliation with marinho and made him general of the army of cumana the army of the apure at the instigation of colonel wilson an englishman who had joined it with a contingent of volunteers proclaimed paez general-in-chief this appointment was confirmed by lilianeros who adored him but paez taking no notice of this assisted the liberator in every way he could Bolivar then sent General Santander with twelve hundred muskets and a group of officers to raise a new army in the province of Casanare, from the parties of patriots scattered on the plains, with orders to threaten the frontier of New Granada, which step had very important results. Santander was a native of New Granada, he had served through all the campaigns of the revolution, and was a well-educated man of great intelligence. Bolivar also issued a prophetic proclamation to the people of New Granada, quote, The day of America has come. No human power can stay the course of nature guided by providence. Before the sun has again run its annual course, altars to liberty will rise throughout your land. Bolivar's next step was to re the Orinoco with twenty vessels and some infantry to reinforce the army of the Apure. He had a friendly interview with Paez and leaving him in command returned to angostura to attend to the claims of civil government the country was not satisfied with the arbitrary government of one man and demanded some sort of popular representation bolivar calmly reviewed the situation and acquiesced he reorganized the council of state which had fallen to pieces in his absence and charged it with a convention of a constituent congress an electoral scheme was drawn up on the basis of joining Venezuela and New Granada in one republic, and on the twenty second of October, eighteen eighteen, bolivar published this plan in a proclamation in which, as usual, he renounced all claim to the supreme power, but contradicted himself by saying, quote, "The first day of peace will be the first day of my authority." End quote the world was beginning now to turn its eyes to the great movement in spanish america the figure of bolivar stood forth prominently san martin had fought and won the battle of maipo and was preparing for the conquest of peru o'higgins rode from chile to bolivar recognizing him as a champion in the cause of america Quote, the cause which chile defends is the same in which buenos aires new granada mexico and venezuela are engaged it is that of the whole continent of America. Spain solicited the intervention of the European powers to bring about a reconciliation. Bolivar replied by a solemn declaration, that the Republic of Venezuela, by right divine and human, is emancipated from the Spanish nation, that she neither had solicited nor would admit the mediation of the great powers, that she would only treat with spain as with an equal and that the people of venezuela in defence of their sovereign rights were resolved to bury themselves under its ruins if spain europe and all the world were to unite to keep them under spanish domination on the fifteenth of february eighteen nineteen the second congress of venezuela was solemnly installed at angostura into its hands the dictator resigned his absolute power and in a speech disclosed for the first time his plan of constitutional organization the union of venezuela and new granada in one nation he spoke in favor of democratic government and against the system of federation as organically weak at the same time he showed that no democracy had ever had the stability of monarchies and aristocracies and held up the constitution of england as a model at once republican and conservative he proposed an hereditary senate as the base of the constitutional edifice in regard to the executive the idea of a life president which he had learned from his master simon rodriguez was in his head but he dared not as yet propose it it would not have met with any support Quote, the executive power in a republic must be strong for all conspire against it in a monarchy the power should rest in the legislature for all conspire in favour of the monarch on the tenth of february eighteen nineteen congress unanimously elected him president and from that day he always respected the liberty and opinions of that body although he still remained de facto dictator he appealed to them in every emergency when he abandoned congress he fell congress established a life senate in place of the hereditary senate proposed by Bolivar, and adopted a centralised form of government fixed the presidential term at four years the president being eligible for re-election once but not oftener and arranged the other public offices on the republican system this constitution had yet to be submitted to the vote of the people this was at present impossible and it never was actually adopted the framework alone being established by decree unlimited powers were granted to the president in all provinces which were the theatre of war and it was also decreed that the vice-president should have no authority over the armies this was in fact the creation of a military dictatorship bolivar delegated his power to don francisco antonio thea with the title of vice-president thea being a native of new granada this appointment formed a link between the sister colonies bolivar then took the field followed by a battalion of five hundred english under command of colonel elson which had been raised in england in the preceding year often have we made mention of european officers and men in the patriot armies more especially of englishmen Venezuela, in spite of the virile strength of her men, and of their heroic efforts during eight years of struggle against the disciplined armies of Spain, was the only Republic of South America to seek the help of foreign volunteers, and which had in her pay entire corps of foreign soldiers commanded by their own officers. Bolivar was something of a cosmopolitan, and had none of the prejudices of his fellow countrymen against foreigners. More a soldier by instinct than by education, he knew that results are only to be obtained by method and discipline. He saw how San Martin, with an army well organized and well led, had triumphed over the best of the Spanish troops, and understood that he himself needed a more solid nucleus for his armies than the light horsemen of the plains, and a better disciplined infantry to ensure success. Taught by this late disaster, which were all the result both of his own imprudence and of the lack of cohesion in his own troops, he was convinced that without a properly disciplined army any advantage he might gain would be ephemeral, and that if he did eventually triumph, he would stand as a conqueror over ruins. Learning these lessons, he grew from a mere warrior to be a great captain without the science and mathematical precision of san martin but with greater boldness and with a heavier crop of laurels in eighteen fifteen endeavours had been made to raise an auxiliary corps of irish but it was only in eighteen seventeen that a system of enlisting volunteers was instituted in england through the agency of don luis lopez mendez who was at that time the representative of venezuela in london without this assistance and efficient cooperation bolivar averred that he would never have accomplished nothing in the famous campaign of 1819 for which he was now preparing the soldiers received a bounty of 80 dollars on enlisting were paid two shillings a day and rations and were to receive at the conclusion of the war 500 dollars and an allotment of land in the year 1817 various english and german officers made contracts with mendez to take to venezuela organized corps of artillery lancers hussars and rifles the first expedition to leave england consisted of one hundred and twenty hussars and lancers under colonel hippesley their brilliant uniforms gave them more the appearance of a theatrical troop than a body of soldiers going on active service nevertheless they became the basis of a corps of regular cavalry Colonel Wilson and Colonel Skinnan organized another corps of cavalry, but Skinnan, with three hundred men, suffered shipwreck on the coast of France. Campbell took out the nucleus of a battalion of riflemen, which afterwards did good service in Colombia, and a subaltern named Gilmore, with the title of Colonel, and with ninety men, formed the basis of a brigade of artillery such enlistments were contrary to law in england but in eighteen eighteen and in eighteen nineteen the number of volunteers increased considerably general english who had gone through the peninsular war with wellington contracted for a division of twelve hundred english which about that time reached the island of margarita and subsequently became the celebrated carabobo battalion the five hundred men under colonel Elsom, who accompanied bolivar to the apure were at first called the british legion but were afterwards named the albion battalion colonel elsom had also brought out three hundred germans under colonel uslar who had been enlisted at brussels which corps was landed at margarita general macgregor of whom we already know something brought a foreign legion of eight hundred men besides smaller contingents General Devereux, who had initiated the idea, brought an Irish legion, in which a son of the great Irish tribune, O'Connell, was an officer. On hearing of the arrival of General English and others at Margarita, Bolivar sent Urdaneta there to organize them. Urdaneta found twelve hundred English and three hundred Germans. These troops were destined for operations on the coast of Cumaná and Caracas, but were at this time almost in open mutiny against their officers. They were brought to order by the exertions of Colonel Montilla, who had become reconciled to Bolivar. He was the last of Bolivar's enemies to become reconciled, and from this time to the end stood faithfully by him. Montilla had served in Spain and had traveled much in Europe. He spoke the languages of these foreigners and understood their customs. He was also energetic and possessed of some military skill. These acquirements gave him considerable influence over the auxiliaries, which he turned to good account. On the 30th of January, 1819, Morillo paraded 6,500 men in seven battalions and 16 squadrons, all perfectly equipped, and opened the campaign by advancing on San Fernando. Paez burned that city on his approach, and retired south of the Arauco with four thousand men, among whom was a squadron of English dragoons. The royalists dragged canoes with them across the plains, and on the 4th of February forced the passage of the river. Paez then changed his tactics. He sent his infantry to the rear, and remained himself facing the enemy, with fifteen hundred men well mounted. Morillo saw small parties of the enemy who hovered on his flanks and rear but who fled from him over the vast plain whenever they were attacked he detached morales with three thousand men to reconnoitre and to drive in cattle on the fourteenth of february one of his squadrons was so occupied when paez suddenly rushed upon it with twelve hundred men chased the fugitives to the encampment charged the reserve and then retired at full speed After nightfall he again appeared in the rear. Morillo wearied out his troops in ineffectual pursuit, till after nine days of marchings to and fro upon the immense plain he retreated to the Apure. He then threw up fresh entrenchments at San Fernando, and making that place his headquarters, detached division to occupy Barinas, Calabozo, and Sombrero. At this juncture Bolivar arrived, and at once assumed the offensive but had the worst of it in two small affairs and prudently withdrew beyond the arauco again morillo advanced on the third of april paez with one hundred and fifty picked horsemen swam the river and galloped towards the camp eight hundred of the royalist cavalry with two small guns sallied out to meet him he slowly retreated drawing them on to a place called las queseras del merio where a battalion of infantry lay in ambush by the river Then, splitting his men into groups of twenty, he charged the enemy on all sides, forcing them under the fire of the infantry, and recrossed the river with two killed and a few wounded, leaving the plain strewn with the dead of the enemy. Morillo again retreated, and the rains put an end to further operations. Note. In January 1891 a number of Venezuelans presented the city of New York with a painting commemorative of this deed of arms, in token of their gratitude for honors paid to the memory of their hero who died an exile in that city. The painting is thus described in the Tribune. The canvas is 9.5 by 15.5 feet in size, and was brought to this country mounted and handsomely framed it represents the famous cavalry manoeuvre of general paez at the battle of queseras del medio in this battle general paez took one hundred and nineteen men about half his force and started to meet the spanish cavalry as the latter advanced paez turned his men in full retreat towards a thicket where he had concealed the rest of his force at the ambuscade paez suddenly turned and charged the spaniards who fled in terror the artist has pictured the scene at this moment the general is mounted on a superb horse which he has pulled sharply back on its haunches as he gives the order vuelvan cara face about on one side are his troops rough-looking fellows carrying long-handled spears their clothing saddles trappings and equipment are all characteristic of their country in the distance the spanish cavalry are seen charging in ignorance of the trap into which they are about to fall the venezuelan artist michelena who received his education in paris has found abundant room for vivid colouring in the tropical landscape and sky and the gaudy garments of his figures Bolivar, ever impatient of inactivity heard at this time that santander had raised twelve hundred infantry and six hundred horse in casanare and had driven back a royalist army of two thousand three hundred men under colonel Barreiro, who had marched against him from new granada this gave him an idea he resolved to cross the cordillera and save venezuela by reconquering new granada he summoned a council of war and the idea was received with enthusiasm by his officers it was decided that paez with a part of the army should attract the attention of morillo and of the army of new granada upon the plains of barinas that urdaneta and montilla should embark the auxiliaries on the vessels of brion's squadron and should make a descent on the coasts of caracas menacing the rear of the royalist army while he with the rest of the army of the apure and with the forces of santander should cross the cordillera and capture the capital of new granada this was the greatest stroke of strategy that had emanated from the fertile genius of Bolivar. It changed the whole aspect of affairs, and had a similar effect to the passage of the Andes by San Martin. End of chapter 42